It was just, okay, I got to walk through this and how do I figure it out? And that for me, I literally said, okay, this is it. This, this is really it. I'm digging in, I'm in this. Knowing that even in the worst moments that I still wanted to be there, I just realized like I'm home. Welcome to the Ideas of Order podcast, designed by California Closets. This is a show dedicated to answering the question, what does home mean to you? I'm Jeremiah Brent, and with the help of some of my closest friends, we are ready to open our doors to you. Songs have such a way of preserving a moment, don't they? A specific setting, a relationship, or a season of life, music truly has the power to bring us right back, immediately, back to a feeling or a memory with the sound of just a few chords. The nuance of a lived experience can echo in the reverb of a simple song. In the context of being present, there isn't anything more grounding to me than a memorable melody. Today on Ideas of Order, I'm chatting with a dear friend whose keen creative instinct when designing to the nuance of the human experience is second to none. As one of Los Angeles' most sought-after designers, my guest today has been featured in Architectural Digest 8100, as well as the Eldercores A-list and the First Dibs 50 list. Please join me in welcoming the always immaculate and wildly creative designer, my friend, Bridget Romanek. Hi. How are you? And that gorgeous smile. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to start off by saying that, you know, I think it's obviously fair to say that you grew up surrounded by such profound creative expression and these depictions of joy through art and music. And I was thinking, you know, with such exposure to these different kinds of environments in your early life, you know, were there any particular spaces when you look back where you really felt the most held? What a great question. Absolutely. hundred percent. Because it was mostly my mom and I, she had to go wherever the work was. So we moved around like a, a lot. And so for me, the place that I always made home and really has influenced my design forever without me even knowing it was my room. Whatever my room was is what I made mine because that's what I could control. So I always had like probably five or six boxes full of stuffed animals that I would create this whole tower of them. So my space was always my exhale space without even knowing it as a kid, like my safe space. We moved around a lot, you know, so that was what I could control and and make it mine. And so always my room. And that's something that's in my design head and ethos and, you know, mantra today is the creating these spaces where everyone can you know, just exhale, really. Was it hard for you to move around a lot? I mean, it's important noting that your mother is Paulette McWilliams, and so <laughs> you had a wild life. There are five more acres in the lower 40. 
I've got to plow. Was it hard for you moving around a lot? Do you think it's impacted you as an adult? Absolutely, 100%. In great ways and in really tough ways, you know, both. It's hard to always be the new kid. It's hard to be oftentimes the only African-American kid, meeting new people all the time when I was pretty shy. And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely hard. But now that same thing allows me to go into people's homes, different people's homes and understand them. You know, and I call it learning to speak the science of each of our clients and the people that we work with. But all of that, that was so tough now fuels me. So we figure it out. We we get through things and we use them, hopefully, as a lesson and a way to move forward. And when I was in it as a kid, it was really hard. But looking back now, it's helping me now. It's helping me in my in my career, really. That's so interesting. But your mom, you know, your mom's this incredible singer who, you know, she performed with everyone with the likes of Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye. What do you remember from that time? And what kind of impact did these gigs and these different environments like have on you? What does it feel like to have that all in you? Oh, it's huge. I didn't know any kid having my experience. And so I'm a kid from the South side of Chicago. That's like where I'm from. And my mom, she wanted to see the world and she wanted to experience things and she wanted to do things and she had me in tow. And so for me, it was just, it was really kind of normal. I met Marvin and hung backstage with Luther Vandross and Bette Midler and all of these experiences, but it was really what I knew. But what was really cool about it, and I hold with me today, is that people are different. They have different experiences. They have different ways of looking at things, doing things, different things to share, different knowledge to impart. All of these things influence me as, you know, and help make up who I am today, good or bad. <laughs> but I definitely looked at when I would go to school and look at kids who had, you know, multiple like siblings and a family life that I would, you know, if I was having a play date or visiting, I would, wow, this is how some people live. You know, so it's that thing where the grass is always greener. And what's really funny is my daughter, my older daughter, a few years ago, she said, mom, I'd like for you and I to just take a trip somewhere together. And I'm thinking, okay, great. And I was rushing off to work and I said, okay, so you know, come up with something. And I'm thinking she's going to say, let's go to Palm Springs for the weekend or, you know, just something very local. And I get home and she's created an itinerary for us to go to Hong Kong. And so, <laughs> I was just, you know, so immediately I was in two minds. Like, Are you serious? Are you Hong Kong? The idea that you think that this is something that we can just do is crazy, but also incredible. And I'm grateful that I've been able to open that world up to you. But at the same time, are you kidding me, kid? This is, you know, so I was, I was all over the place with it, but I ultimately decided that, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, use all my savings and let's go. <laughs> Did you guys go? We went. How was it? It was incredible. And at the time she was 12 and she had created the itinerary. I did nothing. And so I was really proud and then of her, but also really frightened by someone who could do that at 12 years old. Because for me at 12 years old, that was not an option or an idea or a thought or, you know, any of that. I didn't know what Hong Kong was. So I was 27. So she's already winning. Exactly. Yeah. Like it was... <laughs> It was that, you know, but yeah, this world is different with our kids. You know, it really, really is. And I'm proud of them and scared at the same time. 
you know, I was trying to like describe you to some of my friends and I was like, you don't understand. You've had this varied and incredibly creative career. You've gone from music industry to designing handbags. Can you talk to me, you know, what is it about designing homes that has kind of left this lasting impression on your trajectory? Because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you seem like you're in your your element. Like you seem like you're in your moment. And I love watching you and I love seeing what you create. But how'd you get here? Walk us through it. Oh my gosh. So it's so organic. And I didn't know that the universe was really grooming me for this. And I am home and now in what in what I'm doing. And I always knew I would do something in the creative arena. But the home for me is just this place where everything else from the front door to the back door, everything could be expressed. And it's this real, you know, just like love letter to you, whether it's one room, a studio apartment or, you know, 10,000 square foot house, it doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, the feelings that it evokes. And so that's really what landed with me essentially in the end and seeing people have that joy. Music does that, absolutely. Fashion does that, absolutely. And um, with music, I, you know, writing songs and working with musicians and creating these songs was so joyous and so great and so much fun. And I liked it a lot. But anything you're doing, you have to have such a passion for, you know, for the highs and the lows and just really be in it. I liked music, but I didn't live for it because it's a hard existence. It really, really is, you know, like touring and doing these things. Yeah. You liked it, but you didn't live for it. I like that. Exactly. It was fun, but it wasn't a case of I couldn't not not do it. So that was that. And then with bags, it was really funny. It was a year where I remember sitting in the restaurant with a bunch of girlfriends and we had decided that year we were going to just make things for each other. And I thought, well, what's something that I could make that would please all of these really stylish, cool women and make them happy? And so I somehow, after the lunch, decided to drive downtown L.A., pulled over my car, did research, found out who sold leathers and materials and went into the stores and bought some and went home and started playing with these skins and and trying to figure something out. And then I did. I came up with these shapes and then I found out who could make them. And for Christmas, I gave out 24 of them, I think. And after the Christmas holiday, friends started reaching out to me and saying, hi, I love it. Thank you so much. Is it possible to get one in this color or is it possible to get one in that color? Oh, you gave Lisa that bag. I really like that one. So I had made these three styles. And then I started getting phone calls from stores. And so that really started the line. And it was really quite incredible and fun and creative. Again, I liked it a lot. I can't say that I loved it so much that I couldn't not do it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I found that it was, I was forcing myself. I was super grateful, but it was, it was a lot. So it was like Barney's, Harvey Nicks, Karen's Bet, all the, the really great stores. And, um, and you're wondering why your daughter's putting itineraries together at 12. I mean, <laughs> I wonder where she gets it from. You're like, you just literally started a handbag line one day. <laughs> Whatever do you mean? Yeah, um, weird. Here, you shall have this. You can get it at Barney's. How 
how did you fall into design? Because I feel like I met you right at the precipice where I felt like you were finally like you were about to dig into it. And I remember going to your house and Nate and I were like, the fuck? Like, who lives this beautiful life? Who is this siren? Also, if I could sing like you, I would be like, welcome. Like, I mean, it would never stop, but you don't. But how did you fall into design? Like, where does it stem from? Well, first of all, thank you for that. Because when you guys were coming to my house, I was like, wait, 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 who's coming to my house? So that was <laughs> super exciting for me. Um, well, it was really, really organic. We were moving back from London. I had loved being there. And I really felt like in Europe, when you walk out of your door and you trip over culture, the buildings, the way they look, the architecture, all of it, I fell in love, just absolutely fell in love. So moving back to LA, I thought, what's an area that I could be in that sort of has that same sensibility or the walkability and all those kind of things that were now important to me. And I thought of Hancock Park. And the only house available in Hancock Park I went to go see, and it was a bit of a shocker. You have some interesting cosmetic choices. And I took a couple friends with me and they were, they said to me, don't you dare take this house. I was like, but, but I can see it. I can see what the house should look like. And I kept thinking about the house. So of course I took it. And then um, those same friends came back two or three months later and they're like, this is not the same house. This is, there's no way. And it wasn't even about the moving the walls or anything. It was just more about seeing past what the previous owner had done and really having a vision for it. And that house started my career because friends came in and said, can you help me? And I say this with all love in my heart for what I'm doing, but my ignorance being bliss, I said, sure, I'll help you. You know, And one of those people said to me, yeah, I'm working with a designer now. And I heard the word designer. I was like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't really even think of it that way. And that's how I started. It was just through friends. And then having them go into the spaces and feel good and see how they use the spaces and they loved them and they were proud of them. So all of that for me was just so fueling. And I, and I understood that because as a kid with me transferring spaces all the time, I knew that feeling and how important it was. And so I just realized like, I'm home. This is what I want to do. And Do you remember there being a distinct moment where you were like, oh, this is more than something I like. It's something I love. Yes. In its worst moment. Because one of my first jobs, you know, I didn't know a lot, you know, and I was really learning as I was going. And so I didn't necessarily know that things could arrive late or things arrive damaged or, uh, you know, all of these different things or, you know, clients are different and have different needs. I didn't know any of that. And I'm honest in saying there was a part of me that thought, oh, you know, I'm going to looking at cool furniture all day and it's going to be great. And that's a part of it, but there are lots of other parts to it as well. Yes. You know, and clients are all different. There are some who don't want to be involved and others who really want to be involved. And this particular client didn't want to be involved. My favorite kind. <laughs> well, here's the key. <laughs> and so he was coming home and half the room had not arrived. It was all supposed to have arrived and it was all going to be this really big thing. And so I'm sort of sitting there crying like, oh my gosh, what do I do in this instance? And so really knowing that even in the worst moments that I still wanted to be there, it was never a case of, oh, I can't do this or I don't want to do this. It was just, okay, I got to walk through this and how do I figure it out? And that for me, I literally said, okay, this is it. This, this is really it. I'm digging in. I'm in this. One of the things you keep saying, which I think is so beautiful, is that designing feels like home to you. Will you explain that to me? It's the place where I live. You know, it's the place where I never stop being curious. I never stop wanting to learn or get better at it. I never stop doing 
research. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for it. And, you know, creating these spaces for people and any sort of research you do, even though people may not know it, their environment has such an effect on them. And that's one of the things that COVID really did is showing people your environment has an effect on you, you know, very, very much so. Because instead of just moving through the rooms, people are actually sitting in them and, and living in them. Yeah, design is home for me for that reason, because I can always do better. I can always learn something. I'm always working to make somebody feel good. Again, even with as hard as moments, and there are plenty, it still feels like all good things to me. So now I want to move on to the present. You know, you've refined your craft with this organic ease. And I'm interested to know how your spaces have evolved over time. Well, I like to use my own home. This is sort of like, you know, my canvas, if you will, you know, and I, and I have fun with it and I'm always trying new things and it's funny for the rest of the family, but I do, I check in and have the conversations with them. Is this okay, guys? Is this not okay? Because they, they live there as well. Barely. <laughs> and you're lucky, by the way. You, at least you're not married to a designer, okay? Mm-hmm. I move a sofa. Everything is a conversation. So I am envious. I would love to send him a text and just surprise him. Be like, guess what? Can you say Scarpa? Exactly. But nope. <laughs> well, family meeting yep, every time. Yep. How does your house feel right now? Like, what does it feel like since I saw you last? Because I've seen, like, obviously bits and pieces, but let's describe it to all of us. It's super cozy. The, the colors are very soft and serene. And then the, the library, though, is still got punches of color, but they're still sort of subdued. So if it's a blue, it's more like just muted, a bit muted. And that's, that's the mood I'm in. There's an ease to your design. And obviously there's this beautiful sophistication to the things. And I love your palette and I love the composition and the way you do things. Did you go to school for design? No. Yeah, see, me either. It's all intuition and trial and error and vulnerability and accidents. And I think, I don't know about you, but when I started, I was like, I am a fraud every day. No, I get that. Uh, (laughs) But I believed in what I was creating and I believed in what I was trying to do. And when I walk into your spaces that you designed, I can feel originality and I can feel that connection that you talk about. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means the world to me coming from you. Oh, please. When it comes to the art of creativity, a huge factor that's often overlooked is finding time to actually rest and replenish, which I'm learning. Is there a moment in your daily life where you really pause to reset? Is it a 20-minute meditation, an evening walk, or dancing to your favorite song in between meetings? You know, just wondering in the bustle of your busiest days, how do you carve out time for just you? When you said an evening walk, I was like, oh, he's, he sees me. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> definitely I like an evening walk a lot. I like sitting in the yard with a, a book and um, a cup of tea usually. Could be a cup of a glass of something else, depending on. <laughs> All right. But that's how I do it. And also I'm learning, and this is not easy to just be. And what that means for me, that really is a form of meditation and everything else that's happening around me, I'm just gonna block it out and I'm just gonna sit 
and I'm just going to do my best to take some deep breaths and whatever comes, comes, whatever goes away, goes away. But just being, you know, just and being conscious because so many of us, myself included, you just go about your routine. You know, I've got to go to this guy, I got to do that. And, you know, and not being present is not so great for us. And with what we do, you have to be present and conscious. You've got to pay attention, really pay attention. You have to make sure you're hearing things that are being said to you from your clients. And so it's important. And it's really an exercise. I call it protecting the curiosity. Oh, that's nice. I think, you know, these ceremonies and the rituals, it's really interesting. They really help tether you to that. Do you have like a cherished spot in your house that's like your favorite? I do. In my bedroom, there's a sofa. It's really mine alone. I'm the only one who really utilizes it because there are other spaces in the house where other people go, but that's my space to just plop down and take in whatever I want to take in or release whatever I want to release. And there is where I really, really feel it. It's my little vignette, my little moment that has been curated for me and what brings me that peace and that exhale. So you're still the little girl in your bedroom. Ah, what? See, you are really paying attention to being conscious, my friend. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) It's wild that that, I just think it's so beautiful. And there's always this really insane symmetry. And I think it's just really fascinating to hear. You just taught me something about myself. So thank you. (laughs) Well, you're teaching everybody else (laughs) things about themselves. So thank you. As you look towards the future, you know, kind of at what's to come in terms of space and home and career or even mindset, what do you imagine is the most imperative for future Bridget? Mm, Oh my gosh, what a great question. For future Bridget, I want to keep doing what we're doing because I'm so fueled by it. I genuinely am. And the lessons that I learn from clients and from traveling, from seeing different things, from talking to different people. I want to be able to share my design story with others. And I think that's really important because we don't come from the conventional way of doing it. And I want people to know that they can believe in themselves and pursue things that might feel scary or big or overwhelming. So I want to spend more time working with, I don't even know if it's young designers, but young people and telling them to believe and trust and sharing and expressing my lessons that I've learned. I also want to get more into people's homes and that's with products. And I'm so invested literally from the front door to the back door at all these different areas and how I can make people feel better. So thinking about what that means. So that's what I want to do. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to get better at it. I want to talk to people who feel discouraged or as if they can't do something and help that way. I want to do products. I'm working on a book, so that's pretty exciting. When does your new album drop? Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Is music still a part of like your process creatively at all? Or is it just like, this is your full-fledged designer? Does it still affect it at all? Well, absolutely. Well, what's funny about that is usually during the install days, the clients aren't there. So I take in my music and I play it the entire time because it's a mood that I'm creating and it's a vibe. And so music helps that along very, very, very well. And then the other thing too, what's great about singing is it's one of the few things you can just 
do. Like for instance, if we want to design, it takes furniture, it takes people, it takes movers, it takes a room, it takes a client, it takes all these things. Like all of these things have to come together to make that happen. But if I want to sing, I can just open my mouth and sing. Well, you can sing. Not all of us can sing. So, Bridget, now is part of the show where we begin to kind of wind down and get a little bit more candid and cozy. With the last few moments of our time together, I wanted to wrap up with a few questions. At the Ideas of Order, we have a lot to say about the concept of comfort and growth, both in the home and in life. So for this fireside tete-a-tete, it's just you, me, a few rapid-fire questions we dig a little deeper. Ooh. This is where I would normally cue my sexy playlist. Yes. <laughs> okay, first questions. You ready? Yes. What has home taught you? Home has taught me that there's a place that um, everyone should feel at ease, their best selves, a place for, oh gosh, reflecting, a place for growth. Really, your love letter to you, all about you. What is the most surprising space that you've ever loved? Well, you know, my mom and I, we were the only black people in this neighborhood at the time. And we lived in a house that was on stilts in Mill Valley, outside of San Francisco. Very, like a lot of hills and mountains, beautiful. And I had never in my life seen a home like this. I was a kid and it was modern and, you know, big glass windows and, I was scared of it at first because I came from Chicago and the flats and, you know, just very, very different. I kept thinking, is a house going to fall down? But I grew to love going to this place. It was just this respite and this really incredible environment. And that taught me and showed me that people, you know, again, live in different ways. And I'll never forget that house and never forget my time there. It was really quite spectacular. What did you love the most about it? I loved that it was almost like this cabin, but this really chic, beautiful cabin and the warmth I felt and the comfort that I felt, the safety that I felt. And then it it also opened my mind, you know, which was so great and inspiring and, and fuel. That curiosity. Yeah, exactly. 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 When do you feel the most at home? When I'm sitting at the dinner table with my girls and hearing you know, just about their lives and the parts that they um, want to share and they want me to know or advise on. That's that's my favorite time is just sitting with them the weekend and you know breakfast or dinner and just enjoying them or sitting outside with them. That's when I feel the most like, at ease. We'll grab blankets and just sit in the backyard and talk and it's really special. Well, Bridget, you survived. You're just the best. I could not adore you more. I think everything that you represent creatively, as a person, as a human, as a mother, as a friend, I just, I could not adore you more. I miss you all the time. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Are you kidding? I'm, I'm honored to be here with you. I just love you. I find so much beauty and joy in making the playlist for my family's life. Every morning, the kids wake up and hear music playing throughout the house. Whether it's Nina Simone or R&B on the weekends or French rap when I'm cooking in the kitchen, it creates this rhythm within our day. 
And I love thinking about them hearing these songs 30 years from now. And pausing. Embracing the feeling from their childhood that the melody evokes and humming it to themselves. It's this warm moment of reflection, always inspired by a song. Join me on our next episode where I chat with former executive producer of The Oprah Winfrey Show and author of The Beautiful No, Sherry Salata, on building a foundation for your future and discovering the most joyous version of yourself. For more Ideas of Order, please visit ideasoforder.com or californiaclosets.com. I'm Jeremiah Brent. You guys, thank you so much for being here today, and we'll see you again soon. When you go back to young Bridget. I'm still young Bridget. That's right. Don't forget it. Excuse me. I stand corrected. Nubile, I'll say. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast.